expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. We both said it, same time. Dave Fleming is in the house, C-A-D-C-A-B-C-D number 52973. The Certified alcohol and drug counselor. Certified something. Level insane. Oh, what's that? Uh, and <laughs> Monty Man able to leap tall microphones in a single bound. Whoosh. Or short ones. See what, what I did there? Whoosh. Whoosh. <laughs> I'm tired now. <laughs> Welcome to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life. Today. 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 Wait a minute. That didn't work. Where's the sound effects? Sound effects. I pushed the wrong button. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Welcome. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. That's just one of one of one of eighty different sound effects that we could do. Uh, well, welcome to the show, everyone. Zippity doodah, zippity day. Uh, Dave Fleming is here. His wife is in the peanut gallery. Wave in the peanut gallery. Wave. Hi, she's, peanuts. She's waving. Uh, and uh, we are here because we're not all there with the Amen. the topic uh, making amends. How do we do that? Particularly making the hard amends. The question that was posed was share your amends story. What was the most difficult amends you have made or uh, still need to make? And so we're going to be talking about that. But first, as always, it's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker. Look out. Get the broom. That stings. (laughs) Again. I think I got antibiotics for that. Again, ice does not sound like that when it breaks. Right. Well, maybe it does. Maybe Swedish ice does or something. <gasps> Speaking of ice. Ice. ice shaved baby. ice from Maui. We'll talk about that on another show. <clears throat> um, here's a little icebreaker for you, though. Um, I thought this was cute. Uh, in 2014, a group of Missouri um, um Malcontents, I guess is what it says, uh, burglared a property in St. Charles County. Devin Jessel served as the crew's lookout while two unnamed juveniles rummaged for high-value items. They snatched over $800 in cash, a $500 necklace, an $800 tablet, and several Xanax, (laughs) Xanax, (laughs) several Xbox game consoles. Where did I get Xanax from that? Wow. Subliminal um, slip. <laughs> the narcotic craving criminals also lifted prescription bottles of morphine and oxycodone in addition to what they thought was a box of cocaine. However, the box did not con- contain cocaine. It was the ashes of the homeowner's deceased father. The teens eventually realized uh, that the porcelain remains were not cocaine, but only <laughs> after one of the buffoons had tasted it. Uh, lacking even an ounce of remorse or, or honor, the group tossed the ashes at the side of the road. Well, Devin's crew will be happy to hear that they do not have a monopoly on stupidity. Because recently, Dave. Yes, Monty. A, <laughs> do tell. <laughs> I just can't handle it. Ah! Uh, uh, a gang, a gang. So that's probably more than three or four, right? A gang of, uh, oh, five. It says it right here. <laughs> Is that a gang or a gaggle? Wow, a gaggle. 
a gaggle uh, of five repeat offenders broke into a residence in Florida, Florida, poor Florida. Um, the merry men were pleasantly surprised when the nice middle-class home they were robbing had a not-so-secret stash of cocaine. It was in fancy jars and everything. Their celebration quickly evaporated when they realized that the powdery substance was ashes and the fancy jars were urns. The ashes belonged to two Great Danes and the homeowner's father. The thieves also snatched a flat-screen television, a DVD player, a laptop, some other stuff. Naturally, the burglars did not use scientific means to determine the chemical composition of the drugs. They tasted and snorted the cremated human canine cocktail. Now, here's where it gets even weirder. Even after conducting a taste test, the crooks still believed, belief's a strong thing, Dave. Placebo. That they were walking around with stolen cocaine. They 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 left the premises, they took it with them, and they really they, they convinced themselves it's a placebo maybe, effect. Maybe this is yeah. cocaine. Yeah. You know, there's there's crushed up bone in here. Everybody so, has yeah, maybe it's cocaine, cocaine. And, on fancy. Sure. Jars. It was only when one of the burglars used a news article about uh, or read I guess he read a news article about the stolen ashes that reality dawned. The group uh, consisting of three adults and two juveniles, racked their guilt-ridden brains. After some debate, they decided against returning the ashes. The police they didn't they didn't make amends. Uh, the police found the remains of the father and the two dogs in a lake. Um, the perpetrators were apprehended. The sus- suspects were charged, and two of them stated to police, "We still think that maybe there had been some cocaine there." I'm telling you, the power of belief, man. Maybe the 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 man whose whose res- remains were in there was a lifelong cocaine addict, and it just had some residual effects. <laughs> <laughs> really? Come on. Okay, we're gonna sit here, and we're we know it. We know it's the ashes of two Great Danes and a human being, but we're gonna really believe, baby. It sounds like a bad abs- a bad uh, Cheech and Chong movie. It does. The Labrador ate my stash, man. Just I had to follow him around for three days with a baggie. Hey, Cheech, just believe. Just believe. Joel Osteen says all I have to do is believe. It's oh. cocaine. Oh, did I say that? Hey, can you please stop? I'm, 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 I'm having, uh, <laughs> You're having triggers. Fl- You're triggering flashbacks. me. <laughs> triggers of uh, ashes. And I, I don't. I mean, I remember years ago, was it Frank Zappa did that or something? And it was all over the news. He snorted his dad's ashes or some such thing. And that kind of all went away. But I guess some people just don't learn. Oh, well, uh, we have more wonderful, weird icebreakers for you coming up. I thought there wasn't any young people living in Florida. I thought it was all old, retired people. No, they're they're young. It's just all the drug use in Florida. They just look really old. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's the icebreaker. Like I said, we got more coming up on, on our episodes of Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life today. Uh, so we'll close out with those right here. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with the topic right after this. Men and women in recovery, we are now making better choices for ourselves and our families. One of those choices is choosing the right life insurance policy. But with so many companies clamoring for our attention, it can be difficult to know who to trust. That's why I want to tell you about the Madison Agency in Albany, Oregon, an independent insurance broker who has scoured the industry to find the best insurance companies to work with based on price and quality of customer service. I sat down with Ryan Madison, the CEO, to ask him this question. Ryan, can you tell me why it is important for people not to wait any longer to get life insurance? It's important not to wait to buy life insurance because your rates 
to get into a new plan, increase the older you get and your health tends to go down the older you get. So by acting now, we're able to lock in a low rate for you that will never go up for your entire life. The Madison Agency. I trust them with my policy and so can you. For guaranteed life insurance at an extremely affordable rate, regardless of pre-existing health conditions, addiction issues, or alcoholism, visit themadisonagency.com. That's themadisonagency.com. Or call 541-706-0189. That's 541-706-0189. Welcome back to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life today with certified alcohol and drug counselor liver to big dad dad, Mr. Dave Fleming. Yo. <laughs> and moi, the Monty Man. So the question that was asked on social media was, uh, please share your amends story. What was the most difficult amends you've ever made or will make? And uh, the topic uh, this week, of course, is... Uh, uh, you know, how, how do we how do we make amends? What about the really hard amends? Um, well, I just want to go back and address something that was brought up last on, week on our last show. Yeah, uh, about the you know living amends or right. you know uh, those amends that you can't make for. So let me reason. reference what I said last okay. week. Okay, so you said, so I had said if you stole money from a grocery store. And you haven't attempted to pay that back as an amends. You haven't done anything like that. But you think taking the shopping carts back after you get done with your grocery shopping and not leaving them in the parking lot is making living amends. I think that's a cop out. That was my opinion. So okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that. I if, disagree. I'm, I say that if you've done everything to make the direct amends and you're not able to, that's one thing. But if you haven't done that, I think it's a cop-out. Dave disagrees. We'll find out what he has to say. I, to a certain degree, I, I disagree because part of us in our in recovery, right. right, we have to live out the amends in our daily life. Sure. Agreed. And if we're a Christian, part of our mandate is to help someone else. So if we combine those two things that we're we're – we're we're not going to do harm any any more harm to others, and we're going to help people out. So if that grocery store that you stole from, right. you're still uh, uh, buying. You know, you're you're still shopping there, patronizing or mm-hmm. whatever whatever the word is. Can't think right now. I'm I'm going to brain fart. It's Friday, um, but you're still shopping there, right? And so you part of your deal is is that you no matter what store you're at, you bring in the carts that are. Laying in the parking. I mean, that's my pastor taught me that. And now I agree. Everywhere I go now, uh, if I uh, if I can, I grab a cart and I'll bring it in with me. Or there may be six carts sitting next to the cart corral. Have you ever seen that? Right, not I'll in get the corral. I'll put them all in. And, yeah, you know, whatever. I do that too. Yeah, but I think that's that's just part of it. You know, the other part of it is that I don't because I don't. So in that respect, I don't think it's. You know, that's that's where I disagree with you at it. But sometimes making making that amends to that, I mean, what does it look like, right? We have to be careful because what what does step nine tell us, right? Made direct amends whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. But the so, others isn't you, right? But the others is the rest of the people in your family. True so enough. Let's say I go and I say I stole all this stuff or this money fifteen years ago, whatever, and, yeah, right? Yeah, and regardless of how long ago it was. Um, and I want to replace it. And they say, well, I don't, you know, I, I want to press charges, right? Right. And you have a family and you have a job and you yep. have this, right? So if you do that, you end up going to jail or whatever. And it affects and you, everybody else. It affects else. everybody yeah. else. So that in that respect, you can't make that direct amends. At their price. At them paying exactly, the price. Exactly. I agree 100%. So what's the alternative? The alternative is is to figure out a way to, to make that amends uh, indirectly. Right by yeah. sending them uh, a check or anonymous maybe not check a check, but a money order anonymously, um, saying you know with a note. You don't even have to sign your name to it. Whatever. Right. Um, if the store is not there, what do you do? Right. Right. 
So in those instances, you, you like you know, say you do due diligence and try to do, to take care of that. Mm-hmm. If you can't, there's always you know you can donate your time or donate money to a cause, right? Uh, and buy pop- groceries and and give them to the homeless or not the homeless but the food shelves. Sure, right? Sure. Uh, every, you know, so you're basically you're you're paying back that amends, right? Uh, you're you're living it out. Some people call it living amends, right? Sure. Uh, but I think it's important to do something. A lot of people will just stop if they can't make that direct amends. Yeah. Or yeah. if there's there there, what's the other one that comes up? Uh, you know, I spend. I'm just, you know, if it comes up, I'll make the amends or I, I'm constantly looking and looking and looking. I'm spending all this time looking for these people. Um, sometimes it's about doing something in the meantime. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because you might not ever find the, find this right. person. Right. And I believe that God puts people in our path when we need to make the, when, when the opportunity arises that we need to take advantage of that. So I think we agree more than we disagree. Right, right, right. I, I, th- I think it's just when people use that as an excuse to not even make um, an attempt right. uh, to, to do to do what they can, you know, um, because I've heard I've heard that, yep. you know, but but you're right. Sometimes you can't and you don't you don't ever want to make no matter how hard the amends is or how easy the amends is. You don't want to ever make it at somebody else having to pay a price for you. Um, there was a there was a guy. Do you remember Dr. Ruth Westheimer? Yep. Okay. She had a show um, on years ago, a radio talk show, and this young man called her up, who um, was living a homosexual lifestyle, unbeknownst to his dying mother. And he told her, he said, "I feel like before she died, and she was very very sick. She's in the hospital." Before she dies, I need to come clean and be honest with her. And Dr. Ruth Westheimer read him the riot act. Yeah, I bet. She said, what gives you the right to put your dying mother, your sick mother, under that much stress to clear your conscience? Right. And she didn't even go into whether she agreed with his lifestyle or disagreed. That wasn't the point. The point was he was introducing an extremely high stress situation to his mother who just wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. For for his conscious sake. And I would bet he did he he wasn't he didn't have any counsel on that. No. I would bet that he didn't have anybody to say, "Hey, what do you think?" Well, in fact, he was call I remember the show uh, he he was calling up to basically boast about what a great guy he was for coming up with this idea to to cl- make the slate clean. And she just tore into him. And I was like, yeah, Ruth, go, girl. You don't do that. Right. You don't make amends at the cost of somebody else's pain. You just don't do that. <laughs> I had a guy in a, 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 one of the places, one of the treatment centers that I worked at. We were talking about this subject. And um, we, I, you know, I asked the question, does, you know, does anybody feel like they have a, uh, an amends that, they they need to make to, right. to move forward. What's the hardest one they're going to make? And this guy, his attitude was all wrong. The way that he was just coming off, but he said, "You know, I need to go and talk to my buddy, and I need to tell him that I slept with his wife." Oh. Well, this the rest of the story is is that when back in the day, it was probably a few years back. Yeah, this guy and his wife were struggling with addiction. They both quit using uh they were both cheating on each other they got counseling they restored their marriage and everything you know they have got kids and everything's on track and now this guy wants to come in and say hey to ease my conscience right. I, I need to tell you i'm gonna come clean because i don't i think you guys are living in a lie or i don't want them to be living in a lie um, and it's like he's gonna how go noble of you right right it's like <laughs> dude you need to just just forget about it i mean because again, you go back to a, you know, <laughs> making amends except for when to do so would injure them or others. Well, right. It's like, well, he just sat there and he wanted to argue with me about it for like twenty minutes, and I said I do not recommend that you do that because not only you're going to uh, restore, the, you're going to destroy their marriage probably, but 
you know, they've got kids and everything else and all the work that they've done up to this point, too. And, and you know, it really speaks to... And, and the other part of it was is that does he really know whether or not he actually talked about yeah, they may have, they, they may have already done that, and it's water under the bridge. Right. So, well, and I mean, it really speaks to how much attention was he even if he was working a twelve step program, especially if he was using literature from the Big Book of AA, where it talks about not alcohol, not narcotics, not the things that are the symptoms, but selfishness and self centeredness. That we think is the root of our problems. Right. And, and and what is more selfish than doing that to somebody for the sake of being able to pat yourself on the back and say, now I've made amends, I'm a good boy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but sometimes people don't think about that, they right? They don't, because it goes back to being selfish, self-centered, and controlling. Yeah. Which is the root of our problem, right? Right. And you get, uh, uh, you get, you get others that just want to just willy-nilly – uh, make amends, and then you even got twenty minutes of sobriety under their belt, and then they want the person to to right then and there forgive them. I've had people that have had experience where they've done that, and it backfired on them. Right. So then they're then they're really shy and and reluctant to actually do a real four step or you know the a real nine step process. Yeah, which includes the nine step uh, because they the result wasn't what they expected it to be well you're not doing this for the result for them to to say i forgive you you're doing this to because you need to do this for yourself to to uh move forward in your recovery right and they deserve the amends whether Clear. whether they respond to it the way you want right. them to or not they deserve right. you making an amends to them right yeah clear you know clearing up clear the, wreckage. Up the wreckage and um, it, just taking what, however they want to respond to it, taking it how it comes. Yeah, you know, they're uh, on the surface. It doesn't always come out right away the way you you want it to. It may later come. Someone come come back and say, "Hey, you know, I appreciate what you did. Sorry if I, you know, lashed out you, but you did deserve it." Yeah. Uh, one of our voiceover guys for the show, for the takes one radio shows, uh, Wade, he, um, tells a story about when he stole a bunch of, of records from tower records. Remember tower records, Dave? Yes. Yes. He stole a bunch of music from tower records in San Francisco. And, um, years later when he got into AA and was doing his step process, um, he actually went there and went to see the owner to make amends to him and was willing to pay back the value with interest of any records he stole, et cetera, et cetera. And the guy kicked him out of the store. He did tell him, he said, I, I accept your apology. I accept your amends. I understand. I, I'm a little familiar with the 12 step programs and I appreciate that, but don't you ever darken the, the steps of this store ever again. As long as you live, you blankety blank, blank, blank. And, and, uh, kicked him out. And okay. for a while it, that bothered him and he was talking to me about it. And I said, you did what you were supposed to do. You were willing to do everything you were supposed to do. And the man actually told you he accepted it. It's a done deal. How he responds to it. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to make the amends and you made the amends and he did. And in fact, he turned around and did send him money. And it didn't uh, come back to him. <laughs> the guy evidently did uh, take it. You know, it's just interesting that response. It's rare, I find. I, I've heard this a couple of well, times, I mean, but usually, what was the? Did he? I mean, uh, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, but it doesn't even make sense his response. You well, the guy back, was still the guy was bitter and angry, and you know, probably had his own issues. Probably had nothing to do with. It. That probably had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Maybe he just got a bunch of kids shoplifted from him an hour before. Who knows? That reminds me. Uh, I have to make an amends to Tower Records, too. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's great. And probably a few other record stores. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so it's rare, I think, that people don't receive it. I mean, I know it's common that people will go, okay, 
Yeah, I still don't appreciate what you did, but okay. But not too many get really angry. I, you know, I haven't found that. I found most people to be pretty accepting of it. And actually, like we talked about last week, going, well, you know, I was wondering when you were going to come around. Right. Because a lot of times there's a wedge between us and the other person that doesn't have to be there. And there can be a reconciliation that takes place that's just beautiful. Right. And you end up becoming close again. And it's all because of our stubbornness or our pride or or maybe we just didn't know how to. We wanted to. We just didn't know how to. Right. And, and there, there, you, there's some – you hit on something. There. There's some amends that we don't even realize that we need to make that, you know, we, we run into people and they, you know, kind of give us a weird vibe or, you know, yeah. like cold shoulder or – make insinuations or whatever and you're like what the hell you know right it's like I don't, I don't i'm confused here did i do something right did I say so something? sometimes we gotta uh, you know we sometimes we just gotta ask the question to find out if there, maybe there's because there's the times i know there's been times in my life where i just totally uh i have these blank spots you know right um and things that i didn't remember <clears throat> you know i i remember an amends that i had to make uh, there was a, um, one of my ex-girlfriends, um, we kind of connected up on Facebook, you know, like, how you doing? And it's been a while. What have you been up to? Mm-hmm. And we, we were talking on the phone one day and I, and, um, cause there was an amends that I needed to make. And so we were talking and I was mentioning what I was doing, uh, ta- was talking about step nine, making amends, right? She kept hitting around and hitting around at something, and I couldn't figure out what the hell. And she says, she goes, I said, is there something you want to tell me? And she mentioned the, that one night when I was drunk, um, I'd pushed her down and dragged her by her hair. And I didn't remember it. You know? Wow. And it was one of those things that... Doing the caveman. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, my God, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm super sorry. Wow. I actually, uh, when you had a, I went on a trip, uh, one of my trips out to California, I made a point to stop, stop by and we, we, we met at Subway and we, we had a conversation and I, cause I want to kind of make an amends in person and say, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. And, and, um, cause that was, I felt that she at least deserved that. Sure. And so we did that and it was like this huge, it was like this huge weight. Uh, I think lifted more off of her shoulders and off of mine. Right. But it was one of those things. It's like, what else did I do that I did, that I don't remember? And uh, and I also thought, geez, if <laughs> I was probably more of a full blown alcoholic back then than I than I realized. I wish somebody mm. I wish somebody would have told me. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. You go into all those woulda, coulda, shoulda, because then it, it's like, yeah, but I think God just puts makes our life the way it's supposed to be. Right. Because if, right. if I hadn't gone through everything that I've gone through in my life up to this point, I wouldn't be here today with you doing this show. Sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be with my, my beautiful wife. Right. Right. And right. that God put it, made things happen the way they're happened so that we can learn the lessons that we need to learn to be where we need to be. And this is interesting, uh, you know, seeing how that, that, that whole, process kind of it, it, plays it's, out in life it, it'll it'll blow your mind when you and i have a hard time putting timelines together from right like from high school yeah i think some of it has to do with some brain cells that never did get repaired you know i mean <laughs> so I, that pathway did not did not it, really yeah i mean i'm i'm a i'm a very nostalgic person so I, I do have a lot of memories uh, of both good and bad and indifferent and all that kind of stuff, but it's hard for me to put time, correct time pieces together. Um, but when it comes to to amends, I would say 99.9% of them have all been positive. Okay. Um, I've had two people in my life. Um, one would not receive it. And he was a high school buddy, and and uh, I always wanted that relationship to be mended, and um, it it never it just didn't happen. And then he just kind of vanished, and I've never been able to 
reconnect with him at all. Um, and then I had one, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, whose uh, first name was Larry and, and we were drinking buddies and for years, we knew each other for years. And, and I, this was back when I didn't, Dave, I knew nothing about emotional sobriety. I knew nothing about sobriety or emotions or emotions. <laughs> and, um, by God, you were going to be my best friend or, you know, it was like, I was a bad lifetime movie. You know, you're going to be my best friend or I'm going to come after you and kill you with, you know, yeah. And, 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 and so for years, he never said anything to me about it, but I was actually pushing him away. And then when I did get sober and then he got into recovery and he got sober, you know, I thought, oh, good. Now we have this healthy friendship and we're both sober. And I got married and he got married and we went our separate ways with California. I lived up here. I tried to reconnect with him as a sober friend and he was learning stuff about himself and his own codependent issues, and he basically wrote me a Dear Monty letter and said, you know what? And he's a Christian. He said, when, we're, when we all go to glory land, all this will be over, but from now until then, I can not have anything to do with you for the sake of my own recovery. Wow. And wow, that really, really hurt. He accepted my amends, but for his own health and for his sobriety and his recovery, he had to cut ties with a lot of people from his past in order to be able to mend through that. So, and I, I, I agreed with that. I disagreed with that. I, all I know is I wanted him to be okay. And if that's what it would take for him to be okay, I had to push my feelings aside and say, you know what? It's a different time now. It's yeah. a different life now. I'll see you on the other side. And it was okay. But there's not too many weeks that goes by. I don't reflect on that guy because he was the one guy in my life that I spent most of my time with growing up. So sometimes those things happen in the amends process. So right. it, it just depends. And you, you, you can't let it paralyze you. You have to, you have to move on and create your own life and, and do what you need to do. Uh, and some people are absolutely paralyzed by the fact that other people have not accepted their amends, or maybe they accepted it, but they had to disconnect. Right. Well, and you put uh, what I've seen is there's a lot of, uh, especially people that are emotionally immature. Right. Uh, they've put too much stock in that forgiveness piece, mm. and and stay stuck. It's like right because I they almost feel like I need to have that forgiveness. From that person, I to be that, okay, I need that person to say it's okay. I forgive you, uh, mm -hmm. in order for it to be okay and to move forward and do the next one. Um, and so some, you know, and, and so some people stay stuck and they don't get past that, yeah. or they they pick super hard ones to do, right? Uh, that are still raw, and it's just not it's not the right time. That's why I always suggest doing something small. You know, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you Borrowed some money from somebody and never paid it back, you know, <laughs> go pay it back. Start paying them back. Do it okay. So yeah. what, what yeah. about people that, that, and you know this, being in the field that you're in, and I know it, working and sponsoring people over the years, So especially guys. I'm not so sure about women because I've never sponsored a woman, but guys I know, we, we want to make everything right right now. I mean, we get into a fight on the basketball court. We want nothing more to get it over with so we can get back to playing basketball. Um, that isn't the way life works sometimes. Right. And so we get into recovery. We get into the rooms. We get into recovery. We've, we've been working on the steps. And maybe we get to step two, moving into step three. We're starting to have a realization of who God is in our life. And all of a sudden, a light bulb comes on. And we misinterpret it as it's time to go make amends <laughs> and we haven't even done an inventory yet right well i think we as men our process is different it is you know there is that that uh let's just you know we, let's get it done you know because we're we're problem solvers right it's like here's the list of things to do go do it get it done move on move on but the reality is if if guys are really you know if they're really honest, there's still stuff there under underneath that 
bothers you. But what happens with, with us is we end up uh, stuffing it down and it builds up and builds up and it st- starts stacking up in layers. Yeah. And then it comes out sideways, um, usually on in the wrong places with the wrong people because we're stuffing down. So, so you have you worked with people that have said, "I need, I need to go. I need to make an apology. I need to make an amends. I need to fix this now." And it's not time. Yeah, all the yeah. time. And and have they ever ignored you? Went and tried to do it, and they yes. crashed and burned back, yes. big time. Yeah. Yes. And you're going, how'd that work for you? <laughs> <laughs> the guy punched me in the nose. Well, it's... well, it, it's yeah. It, a lot of the times, it has to do with ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, it's like okay, now when I leave treatment, I need a place to stay, so ah. I need to go make an amends with my mom or my wife, so I can get the place, so to stay. I can have a place to stay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go make an amends, right? You know? uh, and then it usually backfires because it's it's probably the you know 150th time that they've apologized. So I tend to. Tend to re- remind or uh, recommend people take that word out of off their vocabulary. The word "sorry," yep, because it's been used to death. People are sick and tired of hearing it from us. Well, once too. it's been said the the third time, yeah, it it's doesn't it has no. You're impact. not sorry because right. if you were sorry, you wouldn't keep doing the same thing over and over. Right. And, um. Yeah, it's. And some people are processors, right? They're right. not. They're not ready. I, my wife, she's a processor, so something can make sense, total logical sense. A plus B equals C. One plus one equals two, and she's going I need to think about it. And I'm going, what's there to think about? Because I'm thinking with the logical side of my brain, because guys do that, right? And so we jump into things, but she's like, no. I know that's what we're going to do. I know it's the right thing to do. I get it, but I you're, you need to listen to me. I need to process this. Yep. And no, what's in a process? You know, it drives me crazy. Well, but we all we all need to do that. We do, and guys need to do learn from that and say, you know, maybe I need to think about this a little bit. Maybe I need to put on the brakes. Yeah, because uh, I talked about on the last show about you know uh, this. This form that I have that I have some people give to their right. family members that that you know tell me how my addiction addiction has affected you, and it's got a bunch of different que- questions to prompt. Um, because you, what happens is if you get it in writing, it's easier to process it. Mm-hmm. Because there's less, there's too many times where I got guys that they want to go and and have a conversation with their family member. Sure, you know I've you been know, sober for a couple of months and now you want to go and like fix everything and make an amends and you're going to go call everybody, but you're still not, you know, emotionally <laughs> mature or, you know, emotionally recovered or anything right, else. Right. And so what happens when we get into these conversations, when people push us into a corner or they start telling us, you know, uh, the things that we're doing, they're doing wrong. And they're like, wait, wait a minute now I've been in treatment for two months. And, and then you start, well, what about what you did? 12 yep. years ago on Tuesday at 8 p.m. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so it's like, no, don't yeah. make those phone calls. Right. Let's write a letter. Okay. Write a letter. Let's sit down. Let's go over, go it. over it. Read me the letter and then we'll, we'll process it. And if we need to rewrite it, you can rewrite it because once you put that, put it out there, you can't get it back. Yeah. It's and done. so you don't want to cause more damage. Right. Uh, when you're, when you're trying to fix yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get the part where you need to, that's what we, as guys, need to uh, switch that up and, and start processing things more. Right. You know? Right. So the word amends, and going back to speaking about not saying you're sorry, the word amends means to change something. You know, you, you make an amendment to the Constitution. You, you change a piece of it. Hopefully you, ab- you improve it. Hopefully you improve it. Yeah. Hopefully you obey it, period. Um, <clears throat> but you you amend a law. You change you change a law. You change something in the books. You amend it. You don't apologize for it. You change it. And and so um, making amends, in my experience, has, has been 
not so much going into grave detail about what I've done, but remember in our fourth step, we're looking for the exact nature of our wrongs. Not always the wrong or the symptom all spelled out in ugly, gory detail, but the nature of it. What was driving that? What part of selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-seeking played a part in that? Um, was it pride, greed, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, sloth, any of the seven deadly sins? And we look at this stuff. And so when I borrowed a car from a friend and I was, and I promised him I wouldn't drink and drive. <laughs> yeah, right. And I wrapped it around a telephone pole. And two years later, it was time for the amends process. My sponsor walked me through it. He said, now listen, you don't, you don't disclose all the ugly, gory details of that night. You own what you did. You let him know that you don't do that anymore. And you take responsibility for your actions. And if, if you can make payments, whatever you have to do financially and all that, you offer that up. So instead of going to him and saying, hey, Fred, remember your javelin, that AMX that you loved, oh. right? Yeah, exactly. It's He's the only, going, only right, made like you know five hundred. Right, that them. the brand new paint job you got on it, and those mag wheels you bought from ET Mags the night before. We do this. I mean, we create this whole thing, right? And I took out, and I promised you I wouldn't drink, and so then I drank a bottle of whiskey, and I, when I brought it back, I wrapped it around a telephone pole, and I totaled it, and I actually ripped up your front yard. I mean, you're going through this whole thing. And what's he doing? He's getting mad all over again. Amends isn't being made. You're bringing the whole thing up again. So what I did was I said, two years ago, when I was irresponsible with your vehicle, I want you to know that I own that. I accept full responsibility. However, I can make amends financially. I'm willing to, to work that out with you. And I need to let you know that I don't do that anymore, will you forgive me? Now, the ball's in his court now with the will you forgive me, but I've I've made an amends. I've changed my behavior. I've changed my direction. I didn't say I was sorry because, quite frankly, that guy was sick and tired of hearing I'm sorry for me. You know, and we worked out a financial agreement and we're friends today, and that was 35 years ago. Yeah. But there's a total different aspect going on there. there there's, there's not, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, how are you going to take care of that? Uh, isn't sorry enough? Well, and you, you, sometimes you got to be careful with how you present this too because right. that last part you said, do you forgive me? Right. You know, I don't always recommend that someone even add that part in there mm-hmm. because the whole idea is that you're to make the amends. Right. Right. To make things right. Sure. Not that they forgive you or not. That's that's true. Sometimes they don't. People will. I mean, they may say, no, I don't. I don't forgive you. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well, in this case, I was I I said, will you forgive me? And and, and he did. If he hadn't of it, it would have had to have been okay. Yeah. Because I. I, But but I see what you're saying. How long have you been sober? How long were you been sober? At that time? Yeah. So that was. That was my first go around. <laughs> um, I think three years. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got guys that, that go in, you know, like they've got less than six months. Right. And they're trying to do those kinds of amends. Yeah, that's uh, pretty usually, shaky. Usually without uh, some guidance. Right. And then, they're, you know, they do the old, you know, do you forgive me? And they're like, well, no. Or And then they're crushed, they're, right? Because their attitude or the way they, <laughs> their approach is, is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they're they're looking for something different than than what the actual uh, sure the actual thing is that you're doing you know they they want their their behaviors to be forgiven and and move on it's like saying it's kind of like saying you're sorry and someone says oh I forgive you and then you go back the next day and do the same thing again right because they're so new in sobriety they haven't processed um, the the big picture right. It's like I barely, right? You know, I, I did. You, I, I got you. I did like the first eight steps in twenty-eight days while I was in treatment. Right. You know, so I'm ready to go. And I got my. I, and now I got my list off my four step. Right. So, so right after I walk out here, I'm gonna start making amends. 
Not uh, wise. Probably not not wise. I had an opportunity to make amends uh, right after treatment, um, and it was a learning experience because what I learned is that the next time when I have an opportunity um, to take advantage of it, what happened was I was at a, at, uh, a grocery store. Yeah. And I had walked past this person in the aisle, uh, and I didn't recognize him at first. Hmm. And God kind of prompted me to, yeah, this is a, uh, when I worked at uh, this electronics company, I don't even know what the situation was, but I made this girl cry for some something dumb that I said. What? Yeah. Dave. And so I, I for whatever reason, it, that, <laughs> that, that experience had been stuck in the back of my mind. And right. all of a sudden I get out of treatment and I'm at, you know, the grocery store and boom. Here's God going, okay, let's let's get her going here. Right. And I just I went as soon as I, I figured out that what was going on, I like, oh crap. So I'm I I kind of zigzagged my way through the store trying to find her so that I could, you know, I could apologize and she'd she already gone. So I wasn't able to do that, but it it helped me understand that to pay attention to these things the next time they come up mm-hmm. so that I can I can do them. So it was a it was a huge learning experience right. for me where I was at in my that was a crazy week. That yeah. Like, I walked out to my car like in that same week. Yeah. At that same store and there was a four pack of wine cooler sitting in a cart next to my truck. Oh boy. It was the same kind of wine cooler as that that me and my wife used to drink. Hmm. And I, I actually took it back into the store and I said, Somebody left this in a cart next to my truck. And they're looking at me like yeah. Who does you, that? Who brings? Why didn't you, <laughs> you? Why you just drink it? You know, they're thinking. Gosh, I wish I'd found that. Yeah. Or I had extra food in my cart that fell through the cart and didn't get caught. Right. Uh, and I would go back in and pay for it, or I got too much change. And I, this all happened like within one week mm-hmm. after getting out of treatment. It's crazy. So, do you think that? Um, you know how later on it talks in the big book. It talks about we 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 intuitively know how to deal with situations used to baffle us. I think it's part of the promises, right? Right. Um, Do you think that comes because of the change that God's doing in our heart through this process? I I mean, because I mean, I can't even litter anymore, Dave. And so I I went through this phase where I would start to litter and I would stop myself going, that's wrong, to the point now where it would never even cross my mind to even start to litter. Right. I mean, it's just the furthest thing from my mind. I wouldn't even consider it. When did that happen? I had no problem spitting right. my gum out, you know, or flicking my cigarette butt out when I used to smoke, or even getting a receipt at the store or like at the drive-through. And there's a garbage can right there yep. as you're driving out, and I'm flicking it out on the pavement. I cannot do that. Right. Something's different. Something's changed. Um, and and it goes from something as simple as that to the way that I interact with people. Now I I could no more not let some lady who had a couple of items go before me in the grocery store, you know, then turn myself into a rock. It's just, I I have to do it. It's part of who I am. Right. It wasn't like that before. Right. You know, and I think that's just, that's just not a change that, that I did. That's something God did in my right. heart. Right. I remember uh, what, before we came out here uh, from Minnesota, we were, I was going to do some, uh, had to make some repairs on the place we were renting mm-hmm. you know, before we left. And I had stopped at Menards to buy some supplies. And I got out uh, to my car because I was like, the total amount of didn't sound right. Mm. And I'm, I'm all the way out to my car. I'm like, I don't know. Something isn't, just isn't right. So I looked at the receipt, and sure enough, I had because I had bought a, a belt sander. Oh, okay. It was like seventy bucks. Sure. Well, it wasn't on the receipt. Oh. So they missed it. Right. So I walked in back in the store, and I went to customer service, and I, you know, showed them my receipt and brought with the sander, and I said, um, they made them, you know cashier made a mistake and I don't want to have, you know, someone else be responsible and have to pay for it out of their pocket. Yeah. So, you know, I want to pay for it. And the lady looks at me all 
kind of weird. And she goes and gets her coworker, and she comes over and tells her the story. And they're both kind of grinning at they're me. Like, look weird. at this guy. Look at this and guy. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you know, I I paid for it and I went on my way. But it right. was just bizarre how people like think it's weird that you you're doing the right thing. I know. I, I had the same thing happen. Like as, literally, as we were driving, we got on the freeway. You know, so these, I mean, these little men's things, I had, uh, you know, I got basically this, this dash cam, uh, for free that didn't get rung up. And, uh, I, you know, for whatever reason, I, I just got in the truck and I left, but it bugged me the whole way out here. So when I, after we got kind of settled in, I went back to, to Walmart. Right. Uh, uh, to return it. And they, again, they looked at me like I was like I was cuckoo, and they said, "Well, there's nothing we can do to help you," and they wouldn't take it back. So I ended up, I ended up, I just, I didn't want any negative thing, no matter what. So I yeah. basically put it in a box and I mailed it back to Minnesota. Oh, okay, to Walmart. You know, yeah, was, I had to I had to make that that amends. You know, right? It was a, you know disgruntled employee decided to give me something for free. Uh, so and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was, <laughs> I was tossing it up thinking, well, yeah, you know, trying to justify keeping it. And uh, right. I just couldn't do it. It, it, it literally weighed heavily on me <laughs> the whole time. And the whole time I'm out here driving out here, I was thinking about it. I got to, I got to take care of this. So um, that's have, what that's what happens when we get into recovery. You know, like the whole thing not littering out the window. It's like right. We, we just got to ha- do the right thing because. And that's sometimes what we we're go. To do. Gosh, when did that change? Right. Who, who was that? Guy? Normally, I'd be could, like, "Cool, free stuff." Right. It's like it's like, who was that guy? Right. Um. So we have time for a couple of recouple of the responses. Um. This one, uh, Yitzi R says, so far, and, and going back to the question, share your amends story. What was the most difficult amends you've ever made? So far, my mom, I made amends for her uh, to her five times, but I went in with courage. I just did the most recent one last week. Now, I'm not sure if they kept trying to make the same amends or they kept blowing it and having to go back five times. Not well, sure. It sounds like maybe they had some struggles. Right. Like, you know, a lot of us do. We get in recovery and then we relapse and get in recovery and relapse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just did the most recent one last week, and she kind of went loose on me for 15 minutes. That happens. A few days later, she calls me and thanks me for it and admires my courage to come visit her. She sounds healthy, but God still kept me safe and protected. So here's a case where mom needed to process <laughs> right, right, yeah. And once she did, she called her up and thanked her for it. Um, this this lady, she just takes full responsibility. To my hubby, I was hell on earth to live with. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Judy says my ex husband because after recovery, I was able to see my part. Yeah, and all I had blamed him for. Right. Yeah. That's. I mean. So notice what, notice, a, what a, a healing miracle that is, right? And that's what she's saying. After recovery. So after she got into recovery, she was able to see these things. Right. Because it helped clear some fog away. Yeah, we're, our, our brains are too polluted with chemicals when we're in our addiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, John says, uh, to my kids after my divorce in 2001. So he was able to that, – that's always a beautiful thing when you when, – when the – you can make amends to your children because um, we, we, we model, you know, it's been said and I believe it, the, the strongest influence in any child's life is the same sex parent. So if you're the dad and you have boys, you model how to treat a woman by the way you treat your wife. You model that. If you're a, a, a mother and you have girls, you model how to treat people by, you know, to them more than dad does. I mean, it, it's, it's just the way it is. And so we have to be really aware once we're in recovery and some of that fog's cleared, what are we modeling? Right. Because, but the good news is we can change that. Yes. And that's, right? that's the beauty about re- redemption. Right. 
Because uh, in our addiction, we we tend to carry on the the what they you know some people refer to as generational sins. Right. When we're in recovery, we are able to see what that is, and we can draw that line and say enough is enough. I'm that is not the truth. Right. Right. That right. is not what actually needs to happen, and I can I can make those changes in my life. Uh, Lori says, self, absolutely. So making amends to yourself, you know, letting yourself know, hey, you're a different, look in the mirror. This is not who you are today. You're a different person. Um, I had a guy who I'm sponsoring right now, lives over on the coast, um, call me two days ago and just beating himself up because an old using person happened to walk by him and some of that stuff was firing in his head, right? Yeah. And I said, what'd you do with that? He said, I'm, I called you. <laughs> and I, I, I said, guess what? You got a good recovery. Right. Drop the rock. You know, the wiring, your brain still's repairing, you know, itself. And, and that'll change, but it might not go away completely. I don't care how much faith in God you have. It might right. still be part of your, you know... But you, you you made the right call. Would you have called me a year ago? He said, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> you know, right? Um, so so we can also do things, right, Dave, to set ourselves up for success, so we don't have to make these amends in the future, right? And you know, if the if we do make mistakes, it's not the end of the world. No, you know, there there there's people that slip early on that just totally fall apart. And there's other people that slip and just say, you know what? It's a slip. I'm just going to get back on track. Yeah. And, and keep, keep moving forward. You know, um, the important thing is how you, how you do that, how you go about that process. It's yeah. like, as soon as it happens, go and tell somebody, you know, and, and say, Hey, I need some help. Yep. You know, that's the right call. I went to this store and it's where I used to get my dope or whatever and uh drug of choice and I just had a weak moment of weakness with these eighteen different things that have been going on in my life for the last month that have been wearing me down. Yeah. And I just had a weak moment. So now what do I do with that? Right. It's like <laughs> I just don't go to that store anymore. It's not like it's the only store in the world, right? Right. Yeah. So some people would say, well, you ought to be able to go back in there. Well, okay, if it's the only store on the planet and you got to get your groceries, there may be some issues you need to work on. But there's places I won't go. Right. I mean, I'm not going down to Burnside by myself. I'm just, no, thank you. I'm just not going to do it. I don't have any business down there, you know, downtown Portland. I And I, I'm, I'm not afraid of the of triggers. I'm not afraid of that. I just don't. Why? We just we just make different choices. We do. I mean, we, there's. Uh, I remember early on in, in my process. Uh, I don't even know. I, it probably wasn't that early on, but you know, a few years in, my whole thing was is, is doing changing everything, right? And so there was even some stores that you know you say that well you you should be able to go in there. Well, yeah, but I don't want to. You don't want because to. when I go in there, it makes me feel a certain way. I remember when we went into uh, then don't go. There's a store at uh, the the mall we went into that when I walked in there, it was me and my my wife and and I don't know if both of our daughters were with us or not, but we walked in there and I just I felt creeped out. I mean, yeah. I literally felt this like evil spirit pressing down on me, and so I told my wife, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sit out on the bench. Sure, I'll wait for you guys." Um, so that's what I had to do because I was just, I didn't want to be in, in the store, but I wasn't going to make it a big deal. Like, Oh my God, there's evil spirits in here. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> grab my, you know, grab them. And they'd be like calling the, the, the ambulance come take me away right. in the white, right. white coats. Um, but I didn't make it a big deal. It's my issue. I, I got to work it out. You know, it's my, how it affected me. And so I just sat there and waited and chilled out, and they got out, and we, we went on about our business like nothing happened. So, yeah, you know, the beautiful was, thing about it that is, is now you can do that. Yep. Now you can recognize it, and you can go exit stage left. Bing, I'm out of here. What an awesome thing. I get creeped out 
if you know, I, I, for, I haven't had to go into a seedy bar. And when I mean seedy, I'm talking about dark. It smells like stale beer. You know, you got Bubba over there playing pool and you hear the crackling of the cue balls. And stuff. I haven't had to go into, I went into a place on a 12 step call with two other guys one time, a lot of years ago. And it was just creepy. And, and it was a good call. We went in there. The guy was, he didn't drink. He was getting ready to, and he called us. We were able to get him out. The guy's still sober today. Good call. But I got to tell you, I would, why, I, why would I want to go in there? I mean, they say, well, if you're in fit spiritual condition, you can right. go anywhere. As long as you have a good reason. Right. And, and, and you may. It may be your job or something. But the deal is, if you're in fit, good fit spiritual condition, why would you want to play pool in a place like that? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. So those some of those places kind of they're kind of creepy. Now I can go to lunch with somebody that doesn't have an issue with with alcohol, and if they want to order a beer with lunch, doesn't phase me in the least. But I'm not going to go have lunch at that you know whatever I'll just call it Sam's Bar and Grill. I'm just not going. The smells, the sounds, it's just creepy. It just reminds me of a time I just do not want to live in. It's, it like, go, it's like going to a meeting in a bar. Yeah, that, that never made any, any sense to me. I just, it's just kind of weird. <laughs> okay, so our closing song this week is called uh, The Mirror Never Lies. Have you heard this song? Woo, it's powerful. Uh, this is by Al Dorillo, C.J. Watson, and Michael Ambrose. Check out the words to this. Look like you could use a shave and a couple good nights sleep. Man, I just saw you yesterday, but I guess I didn't see. Just how bad you've been slipping Everybody says you're living pretty well What kind of friend would I be If I didn't say me to straighten up You've made it crystal clear You don't want to hear So I'm giving you a visual this time Tell me what you see in your own eyes The mirror never lies yeah, I think I see a little gray But that don't mean you're old You might have lost a little faith But you ain't sold your soul these dreams you've been seeking Well, it might be you could reach them After all Yeah, but what the hell do I know I'm only a reflection on the wall And you've made it crystal clear You don't want to hear So I'm giving you a visual this time
like you could use a shave and a couple of good nights. Al DiTrolio, C.J. Watson, and Michael Ambrose wrote that song, The Mirror Never Lies. Until next time, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming reminding you that you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.